So here we are again. It's episode five. We're on schedule. It's still January. And it's the episode. Yay! Um, so yeah, welcome to episode five of the Pro Painted Podcast. Um, you heard a nice, you, sorry, you heard a nice large cheer from my good friend Rob Ellis. How are you? Evening, evening. Um, so Ian's not with us again today. Um, yay! <laughs> no, not yay. Uh, it didn't quite work out. Um, he's going to have broadband up in the next couple of weeks so we can record over Skype. Um, so he will be on the next episode. And on that note, um, I announced... Can I just, our... have, can I just add something there? Sorry. Yeah, Matt. of course. Yeah. Um, really, really disappointed, guys, in the community re- um, response to our Welsh impersonationist challenge that we sent out uh, yeah. A couple of episodes ago, yeah, zero, um, zero entries. Zero, that's, zero that's, entries. That's, that's, that's just disappointing. I'm I'm disappointed for you. I'm disappointed for me, and I'm disappointed for the listeners. Um, <clears throat> but on that note, so I want to go to a to uh, basically have an episode out every two weeks. Um, I don't want to enforce that upon yourself and Ian with your busy lifestyles, and obviously you've had your news recently, so let's not get too crazy. Um, so what I thought would be great is if we get some guests on, um, because it's great having a couple of guys talking about hobby, but what's even better is adding another person every couple of weeks into the mix. Um, so we're never going to have more than three people. Um, Rob, I know you're very keen to be on quite a few episodes. Um, I am pretty certain the first guest I'm going to have on is Byron. Uh, so Byron Ord or Order of, <coughs> of uh, Facehammer uh, fame. Notoriety. And Element Games himself. Um, so he's going to come on and he's going to be a really good person to play, uh, to, to speak to, um, because he is a particular way of doing the hobby, a very good way of presenting his ideas and the way the way he does things and also is a pretty darn good um gamer nowadays as well performing really really well um on the on the tabletop with his uh, with his hashtag cheesy uh, cheesy bale wind push um if you don't know what that is check out the facebook groups on uh, on on uh, the aos fans and things like that it's unnecessary rage but funny nevertheless um so that that's it going forward so ian's going to be on next episode um with us so you you'll hear from us as a as a threesome every month um and then in a couple of weeks hopefully i should get my diary synchronized with byron and we'll get that episode out as well hopefully you can make that one as well rob yes sounds good sounds good be good to uh good to have the guests on uh hopefully you know we well we're starting off with a really good one with, with byron so uh yeah the more the merrier going forward and just let us know if you're interested definitely and there are people such as uh chris mills um adam elford um who have all expressed interest so again you know they're good at, they're at top of the list um to get on as well um <clears throat> well, i've got some more local guys because i'm quite i'm quite keen to get um you know not just people on who have done well performed well and churned out you know nice nice armies that have have won trophies at events but also people like paul paul buckle um or paul buckler as his real name the paul buckle joke comes from he was um he was on the twitch stream at one and he spelled his name wrong so it's a bit of a giggle um but anyway he's um he's one of those he's he's a hobbyist he just churns out so many armies uh, i don't know nobody's as prevalent as paul um and he also does them to a good standard as well um you know none of them are what you call this um shit speed painted which again if that's a term people haven't come across you know it's literally churning out just a dodgy looking army uh that's just kind of undercoated and got a couple of extra colors added to it and that's 
and, and that's it really um whereas paul's armies are always fully fully painted models washed uh with a highlight and he's he's pushing himself even further at the moment so i want to get those kind of few people on he's getting a bit of a rec- recognition now and he's winning events he's won a couple of kind of best army trophies um and again it's nice to have that differentiation um between um kind of best army and best painted so that's the yeah. idea going forward yeah i think i mean it, it, we touched on a couple of episodes back that you know getting an army to a decent standard you know having some thought put behind the presentation of the army which i know he he, he does and you know getting them out of the rate is, is a skill unto itself so very keen to you know to to have him on and, and talk about how he's uh he manages to stay the course and get all these armies knocked out yeah definitely 110 percent. so um look forward to that one thing um i am going to do and you probably noticed already is that um uh with anything uh, such as an in joke um or kind of a terminology um i'm not going to take it for granted that everybody knows what we're talking about obviously in jokes in particular <laughs> tend to be in jokes um but particularly with the painting terminology um, i had some very interesting conversations while i was at warhammer world for heat one uh with people about this topic and i think it is very valid and it's something uh, one of our guys one of the dogger guys the dorset dog is rich he mentioned as well kind of using abbreviations uh, which just oh, meant, really? meant nothing. So uh, an example was OSL. So oh, okay, we have a yeah. conversation talking about OSL. So for those who don't know, OSL is object source lighting. Oh, I think we've mentioned it and covered it before. The idea is kind of a glow is really what it what it means. It's a it's a cool technical way of saying a sweet glowy effect. <laughs> so uh, kind of coming on from that. Um, what I wanted to say as well is that um, obviously Nurgle is a big thing at the moment. So we're going to do a review of the Maggot King. Um, that's coming from a kind of a hobby idea concept um, perspective. Um, but what I will say, and I want to say this now, is as people no doubt know um, from listening, um, Mercia Miniatures is one of our one of our sponsors. Um, so the website, as always, is is M I E R C dash sorry ce dash miniatures.com um i would really guide people to a unit they have on there which i have mentioned and covered in the blog post before which is the beasts of dung dwell midden beast unit now i have some of these and i'm going to be painting these up and using them as my beasts of nurgle a really good like fantastic beasts of nurgle models now i really like the gw one i think it's brilliant but i know the kit is multi-part I can't get away from the fact that that one model, the actual, the, the actual kind of the bulk of the model is the same, and I don't think they look good in multiples. So I'm going the Mercia route. So as most people know, my Nurgle arm isn't GW anyway, but these are one of the few units I will specifically be using. So this isn't just a sponsorship thing. This is if you want some beasts of Nurgle and you want some awesome models, you need to take a look at these guys. You know they're very tentacly, very fun, and there's you know you, you can't get them confused with anything else. So go and check those out. I'll put a, a link in the in the show notes. So as always, sponsored by Mercia, definitely worth checking that out. Um, Obviously, we've also got our association, our sponsorship with um, with Element Games. So, as always, um, all our links and everything, um, if you click on them from the blog posts, from the website, from um, you know iTunes and everything, it will always take you to our little referral bit. So, it means that if you do buy anything from Element Games, we get a little bit of a kickback, and that's all going back into the uh, into a hobby fund, basically. Um, and on that note, 
I wanted to say thank you again to everybody uh, with the raffle. Um, I have purchased the camera now, um, of all places from Curry's. I'm really get, learning it now. Um, it's taking some time. I'm kind of getting there. Um, but the next step is I've got a tripod, so that's sorted. Um, I want to get a couple of dedicated lights, get a light tent. So that's something I'm going to be learning over time. And I may well do kind of do a bit of coverage on getting used to a camera so it's a bridge camera i didn't know what that meant beforehand it's a kind of a bridge between like a digital camera and a fancy slr or whatever they're called um so i did i did take it to the heats but unfortunately with the way the display photo uh, armies i couldn't really get any decent photos for anybody so it, it will be used more and i'm kind of testing my testing the water a little bit with that um so the main meat of the episode, just to run this down, is we're going to talk about current projects, which Rob's just been blowing everybody's mind with recently, I must say. Um, <laughs> we've got the From Ember to Inferno campaign. I want to give a little bit of coverage from, um, which is our Firestorm campaign. As I said, we've got the Maggotkin review, Heat 1 coverage, again, just from kind of the army perspective and what we're seeing. Um, but we do also want to have a specific conversation about proxies, and I've kind of elbowed in, talking about normals, uh, especially I want to cover those, the feculent normals, <laughs> which I think proxies was your idea to talk about, Rob. It was, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's clearly some rage there. I'm just looking forward to you just kind of dropping the mic. But yeah, well... Um... I think there's a, there's a valid point to be made for a lot of them, and I guess it's just uh, clarifying what I th where I stand with, with such things. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting conversation to have, I'm sure. And um, something else I wanted to quickly mention before we go on to current projects is um, people listening to CAS will know that um, a friend of ours, uh, Patrick O'Sullivan, uh, runs a very chilled very enjoyable all paper based <laughs> it's just <brilliant. laughs> um tournament in cardiff um over the christmas period um so he's run it for the last two years it's been just a mate it's just been such a good event if you want to go to an event and you just want a chilled one where you can get to know a couple of people um kind of just enjoy your games that's a really good one he's actually is changing though um because christmas is a tricky time for people uh we're finding the hotel in cardiff uh it's being hosted at firestorm games the hotels are quite expensive he's actually moving it to january so we've got a little bit longer till the next one um but i will be making sure we're giving that event all the support we can um because it really is one of those um that's worth doing so keep your eyes open on twitter on the grand alliance for a newly well, i hope he's going to retitle it you can't call it age of santa if it's in january um so yeah Keep your eyes open for that. We'll make sure we cover it in full. But I wanted to make sure that we, we made people aware of that change. So keep your diaries open for January, which is normally quite a quiet month for events, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely one that I'll be looking to go to this time around. Yeah, definitely. For me, Cardiff Firestorm, I'm, I'm there. Um, you know, we've got like normally, I think Heat 1, obviously, is January. And Sheffield Slaughter uh, is this weekend. So, so that's later January, so it's, it's a good fit. Um, There's always the LVO, if you want to, you know, that's this weekend as well, I'm thinking. I, I think we're talking, I think that's maybe 2019, maybe. <laughs> I, think Vegas, I think Vegas, some of our guys can be quite dangerous. 
So if you think Aaron Bailey um, is dangerous, he's been to, he's lost, he's got, just so listeners are aware, Aaron Bailey at two different Weymouth events has gone AWOL at night, just just gone disappeared. I live on the south coast of England. It's quite, it's not rural, but it's a seaside town. Um, turn up the next morning, missing phones, shoes, slept on roundabouts. So that was, that was just in a seaside town for God forbid what I end up. I want to see it. I don't want to be there when it happens, but I want to tell the stories afterwards because it's going to be like the hangover. And Very majestic. I think I'm just convincing myself to go now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Las Vegas open. You ain't have nothing till you get the age of six, potentially the doggers, the age of sick bra, pro painted and TBS all over there tearing it up. Oh Christ. Can you imagine? That could, that could be pretty legit. Anyway, on that note, we'll, uh, we'll take a little break and then we'll come back and talk about current projects. And welcome back. Um, so we want to talk about our current projects, um, which, to be honest, considering the fact it's been a month since we recorded last, um, there's been quite a lot going on. Um, Rob, do you want to explain what you've been working on diligently uh, recently? Yeah, well, um, as, as I think it was a couple of weeks ago, well, I think maybe not last weekend, weekend before I put um, the picture where I got on so far with Bellacore up on Twitter just to sort of get, get some people's feedback and everything and my phone blew up with the amount of likes that it, that it had so thank you very much everyone that liked that and so all, all very kind words um, and it's, it's at a point now where I've, I've actually started to try and streamline uh, how I'm doing stuff so what I'm actually trying to do is rather than uh, sort of convert a bit green stuff it and then have it finished is to do all the bits that need chopping and gluing and, and whatnot and then go back and do all the green stuff at the same time right so I, I, I find that um well, i'm actually looking at them now i've got little sort of balls of cured green stuff just sat on my uh, hobby desk where stuff's just run you know I've, I've perhaps mixed up too much and i haven't had anything to use sort of the remains on so um kind of like a an a efficiency in motion kind of thing where you know i'm not cutting, gluing, sticking, mixing up a load of green stuff, green stuffing. I'm doing all the sort of bits in, in one, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes Yeah, it, it does. Makes... And actually, it's interesting you should say that because one of the things I always do, and I don't know if you've got any advice on this, when I green stuff, I tend to do too much. So I don't kind of leave it like a little bit. I just literally want to crack on and get it all done as fast as possible. Yeah. But I know from... What I've seen with green stuffing and things like that is that actually the, the ge generally good advice seems to be take a break, chill out, leave it, leave it alone for a little bit, come back to it at a later date. So are you saying that yeah. you've got such sweet green stuff, green stuff skills that you don't need to follow that advice? Um, well, it, it, kind of. I mean, I just think it's more <laughs> of a, it's, it, it's kind of more of a, um, like I, especially with the, I mean, I, just to let everyone know, you probably people have probably seen the whips on. Twitter, but I've um, got to the point now where pretty much for the for the main model itself, there's a little few sort of tweaks here and there that I need to do and finish his weapon, which um, I'm going to change slightly. And, and thank you for sending me the extra bit that I needed for that. You're um, welcome. Obviously, I'll take full credit for the finished model. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, but it's it's moving on to the base, um, and obviously I, I, I'd mentioned before the sort of my initial kind of concept for the for what the base was going to be um 
tried sort of doing coming to and getting an idea of how that would work before I sort of set about making the base and mm-hmm. what, I, what I found with a lot of conversions I've done you know you've got a kind of rough image in your head of the pose and certain bits that have inspired you to do the conversion in the first place but especially with the with the base and sort of the exploding realm gate sort of style thing that I'm going for it you kind of you've got to kind of just get stuck in and figure out sort of where bits are going to go as you're doing it because trying to plan it all out before you start doing stuff yeah you can you know prep all your you know I've prepped all the rubble and the chunks and I've smoothed them all down and filled them and all the rest of it but without actually starting to sort of pin them and stick them and get that kind of movement going with the bits that look like they're sort of levitating and floating about and stuff until you actually start doing that you don't understand. You don't get a really good idea of sort of limitations of, of the model and, and the mediums that you're working with. And and surprisingly, actually, on the flip side of that, the opportunities that they present themselves. Obviously, I'd mentioned that I'd been the idea of doing the optical illusion of the chaos star, um, sort of hidden amongst the rubble in the base that can be seen from a certain angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I kind of thought oh, I was going to be too complex, but actually digging about in my funny enough digging about in my um in some of my boxes because I'm, I'm flogging a lot of sort of i managed to sell a lot of stuff as well recently which is good because it's uh sort of the baby putting money towards the baby fund and, and rob's garage conversion fund which i need to for my to, to migrate my hobby room down to the garage so it can be a nursery nice um yeah um i found a few sort of bits that will probably help me achieve that optical illusion thing that i was looking at originally and it's only now that, you know, I've got the base to a certain point that I can actually think, well, okay, this might actually work. And if I put that bit there, and if I put that bit there, then it, it you know, until you've actually got it there in front of you, you know, it's all well and good sort of sketching things out. And So are you revisiting? You know. So initially, um, for those who, who didn't know, you were planning on the base being like an exploded, uh, which it's, it's, yeah. it's exploded realm gate, yeah? Yeah, so it's exploded Realm Gate. So taking a Realm Gate model um, and chopped it all up into sort of rubble, rubble-sized chunks and, and filled them all in because it's a hollow kit. Um, one one thing that I did, which was a bit of a, a mare, was the uh, for those that know what the kit looks like. I mean, obviously, pretty much everyone would do, I'd imagine. But the, the section where you got the stairs leading up to the Realm Gate. Yes. Um, I've actually I actually managed to cut. All the, in, uh, all the slabs out individually and then fill them so you've got each individual slab of that stairway or steps as it were are all individual now Great so thing. that they so that they're then you know they're sort of floating in that sort of higgledy piggledy pattern and rising up um, I've used initially was going to use um, I think I mentioned it before some of the sort of the warp stony kind of trail effects from the um, things like the plague furnace kit and from the thankful kit, mm-hmm. um, but I wanted I wanted to keep that sort of realm gate kind of thing. So I used the sort of the energy traily smoky bits from the realm gates. So it sort of ties the model back into itself. If that makes sense. No, that does. Um, and and pe- people will see. You know, it's like a link to the. You know, it, 
you know, if you just use sort of spirit host, you know, spirit host stuff's been, you know, it's kind of been done to death and I've used it on another part of the model. Um, you know, the, the warp fire stuff, it's quite like, it's, it's really, really weird to say, but the smoke and stuff on the warp, on the, the sense of smoke and whatever from the new Skaven kits. Yeah. It's quite jaggedy. It's quite like Short angular, angular sort of angular. Yeah. To, and that's you know that that's a design cue to sort of tie it into the Skaven kind of look. Sure. Um, and it just, it just doesn't look right on the round gates. And there's enough sort of smoky traily bits within <clears throat> two two kits uh, to uh, to sort of get the effect that I was after. And it's only once only once I started doing that that I realised that the I could achieve the optical effect, optical illusion effect that I was originally looking for. Whereas if you look at it from a top-down angle, you have to actually close one eye because you can't do it. Like, it's, it's weird. It's not you possible. It, it's just, you just can't. It's just impossible. Um, I don't know how they do it in, on sort of TV or film. Obviously, it's all CGI stuff. So, um, it's not real world stuff. But, um, uh, you know, you have to look at one eye. But if you look at a top-down, 45-degree angle, you will be able to see the Chaos Star. Um, and what I've actually used is bits um i managed to find two and i've managed to, they're quite actually really really cheap on bit seller sites but the the base topper from oh, um, yeah. yeah from the chaos terminator lord no, it's, um, what you mean. It's, it's quite weird it's, it is actually quite an anomaly that bit because it's, it's one of the only times gw have ever done a base topper mm-hmm. um whereas a lot of that you know got quite a few sculpted bases. i think the only one similar to that was the high elf mage where it's got the floating rocks that it stood on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're like about 50p in bits of the site. So they've got um, another okay. seven of them on, seven of them. Well, it's an eight pointed chaos star, isn't it? Because I had two already. Oh, no, sorry, six. Um, so yeah, I've got them coming, and I think it will actually work now. Um, and it, it, it's looking all right. I obviously showed you guys a little sort of video of showing you how the, how the rubble effect, you know, how it looks like rubble and. And then from a certain angle, you can see the the chaos star point. So um, I'm just sort of blue tacking the, the rubble onto it to try and see to try and match up the effect from that certain angle. So it's not something that I'm necessarily committed to. It's it's just something that you know if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then no no real drama, you know. No, yeah, definitely. You know, like I say it, it obviously looks fantastic and. Um, the best thing to do is just follow, you know, if you want to see photos of this, Rob's been very good at when he's making progress, he, he gets some photos out there. So he's worth a follow on Twitter. It's always the best way to yeah. see what Rob's up to, to be honest. The, 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 the problem with the base is it's really hard to photograph because it's all gray yeah. and it's all sort of floating around. And, and when you've got a figure that you can just hold up and against a, a neutral background and you can see it, but it's really hard to see it. So I think I might, I mean, keep up with the whips, perhaps, but... Um, yeah, I think the videos are a good way of getting that across as well. Yeah, yeah, excellent. So, yeah, that's what I've been, been working on for, for him. Um, obviously, so, talked about the ideas that I had for the other Chaos God centrepieces that I was working on. Um, obviously, Egrim's done and ready to be painted. Yeah. Um, we spoke about the Corn uh, the Lord last episode. Actually, I dug out a Mall of Fiend. I got a Forge, well, forge Fiend sat there and I dug it out. Double and it's a bit too, it's, it's a bit too big, right. Matt. To be fair, it's think? massive. It's really big. The, the body's bigger than Dorgar. Yeah, all that matters is the base, um, mate. All that matters is the base. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I've kind of um, 
uh, kind of work, got that on the back burner and uh, decided that the uh, Nurgle is going to be the. Um, I've got two managed to get two horticulous models. Right. Um, so I'm gonna, it's going to be the. It's going to be a massive cauldron with Festus sat the top, um, being pulled by two by two mulches. Um, so I need to probably get perhaps a, maybe a warp. Um, what are they called the Skaven cannons? Warp lining cannons. Well, that's the one. Um, so they're quite good. They've got quite a bit of sort of wood yeah. and stuff they on really them. Yeah, they do. Um, so it'd be quite good to you know maybe build like a a thing for the cauldron to sit in, and I'm going to have it being sort of uh, sat on a whole big bed of nurglings, which will, um, I've got some coming from the Blightwall box off of Scott, and um, it'd be a good excuse to get some of those cool little nurglings from the new Nurgle kits on there as well. True, um, yeah. I that's a bad I don't know yeah, I don't know how I'm going to tackle um, Festus. Though I, I was in this, I mean, obviously there's enough Nurgle models out there now, with, especially with the new stuff, to to do something. Um, perhaps use a maybe a, one of the lesser armored Blight King bodies and, and build up some, you know, uh, some a uh, bit more bulk to it. Or as I said before, perhaps maybe use a an ogre as a as a base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, just uh, just as the not almost as an armature. Just make um, it as difficult as possible then, Rob, really. Well, just getting the size right, you know. Um, yeah. But I, I do need, and I, I, a couple of guys have responded on Twitter, but it's a bit of a Scotty shout-out. Um, I know it's probably quite good in the game, but I need as many of those Nurgle bells as possible. Um, well, not as, as many of them. I need three, because I need, I'm going to be making the cauldron out of... Ah, okay, yeah. Bells. Um, There's going to be a fair few kicking about because, you know, you you get one in each kit and Rotogus is popular. Some people are going to take a normal great and clean one, so not too bad. Yeah, so that's going to be, and and that will then count as Rotogus. And I was thinking, because obviously the the Egan conversion is going to be counting as Kairos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, I thought if I was going to do a, a big sort of Arbol the undefeated big dude on a on a big flesh hound, that actually could count as Scarbrand. Yep, yep, it's done for um, so. Yeah, um, so, and then whatever happens then with uh, with the Slanesh stuff, then the the, the, K, the Kylo or whatever you pronounce it could. I think it's be quite a nice tie in that they they're all representing the named. Greater demons of the gods that they are. I think that's a very proxies. cool idea. Yep. Um, so it's uh, you know kind of fits the theme as well, which we'll go on to later with proxies, I guess. But yeah, sorry if I've rambled on a bit. And I know I've only really been working on one model, and it's only really been its base. It's, um, the, only it's the only reason we get you on, mate. <laughs> Just ramble about, ramble about the one model you've been working on for seventy-three months. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that is me done for for what I've been doing. Obviously, we'll talk about the, the new stuff in a bit. But uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think although perhaps uh, over our, our tenure as we've been doing this podcast, I probably out hobbied the two of you at some point. But I feel that I genuinely mm. been out hobbied this month mm. Um, mm. with with a with a surprise release i know your hand was forced <laughs> yeah definitely with the, the unveiling but mate yeah. they're amazing i'm uh, i'm yeah. always i'm always hob- i'm my, my spare time is hobby mate um yeah. so I'll, I'll kind of i'll build i'll build up to that so um 
And I'll mention now the, the kind of the Fetty campaign that we're running. Um, so it was originally hashtag Fetty, um, F-E-T-I, uh, from Ember to Inferno. However, we had to change Isn't that. Isn't Fetty like a really shit rapper? Uh, no, it's it seems to be an abbreviation that's taken on for uh, some... Yeah, not not what I would call light um, sexual antics. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So if you, you're interested, just search for hashtag FETI. Anyway, all the tweets have had that removed. Um, they are now hashtag from Ember to Inferno. Um, so it, it isn't something that the Pro Painted podcast is doing. Um, as I think, as I mentioned before, it came from just the four of us, uh, me, uh, Chris Tomlin from the Black Sun, uh, Paul uh, Buckler of uh, Dorset Doggers and Aaron Bailey, you know, still the Black Sun, I guess, really. Um, kind of the four of us just saying really cool to do a campaign with people who can commit to doing it every month. And that's where we've ended up. The four of us doing a Firestorm campaign uh, straight out of the boxes for four players. Um so we've had some fantastic models. Uh, we're almost at the end of the first month. And by month, it's two months because Christmas was in the way. So we've done December and January. Um, I'm very pleased with my Zeech um, that I've I've churned out. Um, I've kind of put some extra effort into them. Um, so I've recently um, completed my 10 Horrors. Um, I've done my Fate Master conversion, which is based on a 40k aspiring sorcerer. Um, and also um, finished my 10 um, Acolytes, which those Kyrak Acolytes are really nice models. They're an awful lot of fun to paint as well, but it's just a shame um, that mm, they're just not that good in game, really. Um, so you don't really see them that often. Um, Can I so, say something about those models? And mm. it ties into a tweet that, um, uh, that we retweeted the other day. Um, I'm replacing my Chaos Marauders on those things which is a you know it seems like a quite a common thing to do i yeah, think um one way or another you know, is quite popular yeah yeah being able to incorporate that kit um there is some extra bits and bobs um obviously quite you know duncan doing his um sort of he, he did a even a tutorial where he did it based and he did it like good ones didn't he with the sigmoite shields and stuff I don't think it's, no, it's not Duncan, is it? I thought it was Chris. It is, yeah. yeah is it, is yeah, it Okay. Yeah. Fair enough, um, he did them as well. But, um, he, um, but that guy, I can't remember his name, but he did some awesome um, Siege Warriors yeah. based on the Blood Warriors and the Chaos Marauders based on the Acolytes. Really good idea. Uh, really, really good. Blood Warriors, you don't see converted into anything else, and I think that works very well. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, the Chirocacolo models are just, just so nice and it's almost people make a reason to use them because um, they are such lovely models to paint. Um, weird models to build according to the rules. It's a bit of a mess, but it's, it's not a big deal. Um, so that was my first month. We've got Chris Tomlin working away on his Phoenix Temple, which we're all hoping he will get finished by the end of the month. Um, Aaron Bailey's working on the Wraith Fleet, which just looks brilliant. It's It's like this kit bash of dark elves and skeletons and all sorts of just gubbins um there's even knoblars in there and it's one of those things you kind of might sit there and you kind of glue the stuff together and you go oh it doesn't it doesn't look amazing um concept wise but he's got the paint on it and it just looks brilliant he's done such a brilliant color scheme on it so if you're interested in kind of seeing that you've got paul is working on his spider fan grots 
Um, they're all up on the blog posts. Um, I'll be the guys don't have to write a blog post every month. They can actually do a blog post whenever they want. I'm just kind of hosting them, putting them out there. Um, but I'll be covering each army at the end of each month and kind of, you know, if they haven't written anything, I'll be talking about the models that churned out. So I want to kind of give that little bit of a shout out. And we're really looking forward to pushing around our first 400 points worth of models. Um, so that's that was kind of like my number one priority um, of January, which was finishing uh, my um, Fate Master and finishing off my um, my Kyrick Acolytes. Um, now, what I've also been working on, and I've been working on this since August, and I've kind of briefly mentioned it on the podcast, but um, I've been working on Caradron Overlord Goblins. Um, now... This is something that, I, to be honest, I wasn't actually aware of this. Um, it is in the fluff. It's mentioned. I'm not quite sure where I actually need to find it myself, that they are a thing. Um, where my idea, where it came from for me, was that when we were at the um, Age of Sigmar doubles uh, in August last year, which ironically was the first um, the first event that we, we started recording from, um, Chris Tomlin made the observation again that if it wasn't for one piece of art um, revealing that there's dwarfs in the suits, if you actually look at the Caradron range, um, it, it could be anything in the suits. So when Chris said that, I was like, oh, yeah, it could be something like goblins. And being an avid World of Warcraft player, the way that they portray goblins in that is that they are um, they're very uh, entrepreneurial is the word i think it is um they're kind of like dodgy geezers um they're uh, mechs they are they're almost like orcs in 40k but kind of a bit more civilized um so showers yeah but but the, the, but in the game for example you initially used to have you could you could study engineering and you could do gnomish or goblin and gnomish was cool stuff um that kind of made sense and then the goblin stuff was always slightly mental and could go wrong horribly like firing rockets and missiles off of people um so that kind of appealed and i liked this idea of you know aos is a fresh slate and goblins have always been like this mischievous kind of element and i like the idea of them kind of and taking control of their own faction, really. So I decided to go with it, and um, somebody was selling on cheap on, on Facebook, I think it was, a Caradron army. So I bit the bullet and got it. Bought a couple of boxes of Gretchen uh, for 40k, and got to work, and even just the simple head swaps of literally popping on uh, a grot head uh, onto a Caradron body, it just worked. It worked straight off the bat. Um, I knew I wanted to kit bash them a bit more than that, so um, I ordered some watch parts. You can buy those off eBay, they're dirt cheap. It's literally to get these little boxes of all sorts of tiny little cogs and gears and all sorts. Um, and I started kind of hacking off the, the Caradron uh, iconography and just started gluing these in their place and did a few extra kind of weapon swaps and, you know, added some orc bits and a shoulder pad here and got them all, got them all ready to go. And I've been working on them for a little while now i mean the conversions with the airships in particular are very uh, intensive and they're going to take a lot of work but i need to get some models kind of uh, my own motivation really get them done and get them out there so i was really chuffed to finish off my first unit of 10 um they are thanks to chris uh, chris tomlin he came up with the final name for them they are gadget zan so in world of warcraft um gadget zan is a um you know one of the one of the towns so they are gadget zan overlords 
So they completely use the Caradron Overlord rules. They are based, each unit is based on the Caradron Overlord units. There's no confusion there. You know, Archonauts are Archonauts. You know, an ironclad is an ironclad. It's just they are just converted from that. So they won't be using any different rules to confuse people. Um, and the goal for them is to get them done for um, South Coast. Not sure if I'll take them, which is weird, I guess. Nice um, to call, though. Yeah, I just kind of want them done by then. I'm hoping to get them done sooner because I'm throwing all my efforts into getting them completed. That's that's the number one priority. Maybe have, maybe have something to enter into the paint competition. Yeah, potentially. Again, though, they're not really a painting army, if that makes sense. They look cool, but they're not something I'm putting all my efforts into making sure that, you know, that they, they look as best they can. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just not. Um, but, yeah, so they've been, they're a lot of fun, uh, a lot of work. Um, a lot of conversion work before you get painting and it's another one of those where you go oh these models are really nice why am I hacking them up changing them painting them differently but I've gone for a very bright kind of a very bold colour scheme um, you know ones to look like pirates um, or striped trousers for example but they're on they're on Twitter uh, and they're on Facebook we have our own Facebook page, which is Pro Painted Podcast. So feel free to follow that if you're not not a favourite Twitter. Um, that'd be another avenue for you to kind of keep up to date with what we're doing. Um, we're also on the TGA. We've got a section on there. You can track progress, uh, the podcast wise, and we're also on Instagram now, which is Pro Painted Podcast. So all your favourite social media outlets, we're all over it. Um, so that's kind of the Carodron I've been working on, and I've also been working on my tournament zinch um which i only just mentioned today because i was kind of be i mean silently beavering away um i painted up a skyfire uh, which took me forever um a few months back uh, which i really enjoyed but i kind of gloss varnished him and dual coated him and he just killed the model it just got rid of all the all. It obviously, it gets rid of all the shine because it being dual coat, but it, it just ruined the metallics. I really wasn't very happy with it. So I've just finished kind of going back over him, um, adding more definition. I was kind of getting used to blending, but I was missing kind of the top edge, of the definition. So he's got some nice pink on there now. I've kind of t- tidied up some of the claws on there, um, and I also last night quickly churned out three little brimstone horrors, um, which. I've got 27 more of these, and I really want to paint them now. They're a lot of fun um, to paint. They're nice little models. Nice, simple airbrush job. Uh, went for Screamer Pink, uh, at, like right at the bottom of the model. Um, then with Emperor's Children, then Fulgrim Pink, um, right up towards the top. So they're kind of in three stripes, washed um, with red tone ink from Army Painter, uh, a 3-1 mix with water. And oh, sorry, with Lamium medium, not water. Um, and then a very, very ginger dry brush with a makeup brush, which I always recommend nowadays. Um, I do like the GW dry brushes, but oh, I tell you, too harsh, oh, yeah, I mean, makeup <coughs> brushes amazing. I think I got a set from Superdrug for one pound fifty over Christmas, and it's a set of four and four different sizes. So you don't want something massive. You want something, you know, that's kind of about the size of the large GW dry brush, no bigger than that. But yeah, they're just so soft. You can really get rid of all the paint on the model and kind of, you know, dry brush from there. So they've come out really nicely. So I'll get some photos up on Twitter shortly about that. Um, and in addition to all that, of course, GW has gone ahead and released Nurgle, Maggotkin of Nurgle. So people will know, or should know that, uh, or be <laughs> not should, not should, should be aware that... Um, 
one of the armies I did was my Cthulhu-themed army for South Coast last year, which does not use a coolest single... Army. Coolest army. Um, which does not use a single GW model. Um, ironically, the Nurgle range is one of my favourites, so I've decided that this is a time to start swapping out, kind of upscaling to GW my Cthulhu army. Um, and I'm going... I'll, I'll mention it in the Magikin review, but I've got a very specific idea what I want to do with the army. Um, so the Feculent Narmor is the first model I, I, I picked up, which I think I need another four. Um, and I've got a Lord of Blights, which I'll be picking up from Scott at Boss Minis this weekend. So that's kind of my hobby. So considering the fact it's the month, I think between the two of us, that's a pretty sweet amount of hobby. Yeah, it's not bad. I think, um, you know, I, re- I do really like your... Uh goblin carriage on overlords can't even pronounce what you're calling them um what do you call it what, Ca- what so imagine gadget so gadget zan yeah. gadget zan so gadget imagine, zan. yeah but it's carriage on so it's cad so gadget zan gadget zan you got it gadget zan overlords, zan overlords. Oh, fantastic yeah they look really cool and there's nice um nice kind of uh feedback so especially directly from games workshop which is which is uh yeah, that's I mean, like achievement unlocked, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's quite a little bit of notice there. It's good. I, I really, you know, it, it sounds sad. It still feels sad, but I really kind of appreciate just that that one comment on Facebook. Um, and to be honest, to be honest, you know, I, for years I've always kind of just put stuff on Twitter, but you know, I've made a conscious effort just to keep what I'm doing out there. So, you know, it goes to show that it's worth it. What I will say on the other side of it, though, is that regardless of how how much you like a model um do say something it really does make it for those of us that are plugging away and i'm sure everyone feels the same if you're plugging away on models and concepts it's so easy just to pop a cheeky like and everything which is great but if you do like something then definitely do tell the person um that's producing something you like just make a comment or something because it does make a world of difference sometimes it can just be that extra encouragement for people to go that little bit further on the army or finish something extra or not delay working on the next project you know the next element the next model so you know words of encouragement they're they're a good thing you know a lot in the workplace you get a lot of people talking about you know positive reinforcement and and things like that and it is it's the same with the hobby it's massive it it does make a big big difference so uh, not just for me i love it but yeah same you know from the other side i always try and if i can do nowadays if i like something i'll make sure i i say something that you know say look this is brilliant i love your color choices i love your basing etc etc um so that's kind of current projects and we've hit upon fetty so how about we get into the the meat of the um the episode in regards to the hobby um which is do a little maggotkin review so as i said we're not going to we're going to talk this from the rules perspective we might mention the rules because there's some cool ideas you can do um we're kind of we're just going to cover some maybe initial impressions of maybe armies we want to do what armies would like to see or um some ideas people can run along with so rob um obviously you've mentioned about your festus um but what's your initial initial thoughts on this maggotkin book um a couple of things really and it, it um kind of inspired uh further you know re- the rules and, and representing what that model does and you know perhaps or we can go and talk a bit more about it when we talk about proxies but um you know stuff like uh obviously the kit wanting to represent um Rotigus. I, I do believe um that he has uh, uh an ability or a spell where it means like he like almost like a rain of stars type thing it is, the yeah. face hammer guys are saying it is a rain of stars um, yeah. um so what i was gonna have on on the on the edge of the cauldron was sort of perhaps um have nurglings sort of lobbing 
stuff at people okay, yeah. um, to kind of represent that or, you know, maybe have a little, two little cat, you know, or like, because it's, it's AOS, isn't it? So it's not, it doesn't have to be necessarily catapults. It could be like little, like, sort of nurgle, nurgly kind of made out of intestine sort of hoses. Yeah. That they're sort of spraying their market or <laughs> I haven't really thought that through. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, so little, having little things like that to kind of represent the rules is cool. And you know, there's um, and I, it's kind of there's kind of an idea that uh, when I immediately saw the feculent normal, um, there's an iconic bit of chaos artwork, and it's a picture of a demon prince. Now um, I can't remember off the top of my head what god it was you know what god it's demon prince is supposed to be it looks quite slaneshy um but it's he's he's sort of there over the battlefield and um perhaps we'll put a bit you know i'm going to tweet the picture that i'm talking about because people will will know what i'm talking as soon as they see it they'll they'll know what i'm talking about um but it's a picture of a demon prince and he's sort of got his mouth open but his mouth goes splits and goes all the way down to his through his chest to his groin mm-hmm. and it's a big map like big um vertical mouth with yep. spikes spike teeth um now i haven't mentioned it to him yet but obviously gary was thinking about doing a nurgle archaeon um and using three nurgle nurgle heads yes the three dorgar heads now obviously with the release of the great unclean one it gives him a, another option you know maybe have a one with like a little hood over it, like Rotigus, and yeah, perhaps you, sure. you know you use that as one of the heads as a central one. But he he also said about having um, maybe having the mouth of the three heads kind of almost linked. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if you? I mean, it would <laughs> it mean pretty much cutting the uh, Dorgar model in half down its chest, but have that or, or part of that feculent normal mouth running down Dorgar's chest. So wow. I'm looking at the Dorgar model now, and it'll probably be about a similar size, if not part of the the more on the tree. Yeah, would would run right down that, and you could you could green stuff it into one of the mouths of the head or something, and you could have all kind of disgusting stuff sort of sat inside it. And I thought that would be quite quite a cool idea. But there's so many cool there's so many cool models, and there's so many cool sort of bits here and there that you know you just want to get get all of these models and and do an army with them and it's really, you know, Nurgle's probably my least favourite aesthetic out of the four Chaos Gods. Um, but there's certainly stuff in there that, you know, I, I like the, the Pus... I can, I'm terrible with these pronunciations. But the Blight, Lord, the Blight Kings on the drones. Yep. They're, they're pretty cool models, aren't they? Um, Pus and Blight Lords, yep. Very yeah, cool. and I know you can you can pretty much do an army of them. They can be battle yep. line, is that right? They can, yeah. Um and there's already talk of people doing them and having uh, trying to find as many of the little flying nurglings as possible to sort of have them as a unit of of something you know and and, yeah and just yeah it's just loads of stuff and the more that GW kind of um, supports a range gives you more bits here and there to use for other bits and I just can't you know as much as I love the Nurgle stuff, I, do, I you know, hopefully they, they give Sinesh the same treatment as they've given the other three Chaos Gods, because if they do, then then that'll be me done for a bit, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, 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 the stuff's good. I mean, it, um, well, so the, the, the Heralds are really cool. Um, 
the two sloppy bowl paper and the small pox scrivener. Yep. Is that right? Yeah, hey, look at me. Um, and, and the beasts as well, they're, they're pretty cool. And um, if they weren't too darn expensive, perhaps you use them as instead of the mulches. I was initially going to, you know, pulling the, right. the cauldron along. Um, but I think the, the, the mulch conversion with the with the the head from the Magos Lord mounts is still a is still a good shout for that I think. But they're, they're, they're quite hard to they're quite hard to get hold of at the moment. The Magos Lords are not they're not on the the GW web store. Maybe if they're being reboxed with just Maggot King on the box, maybe. Or yeah, I'm not something. sure. If they, I don't know if they released them with the round bases as well. I'm not 100 percent whether they were still on squares. Yeah, I think they did. They did. I think they might have done them because when they did the um, what was it, Rock Bringers? Didn't they do a Rock Bringers thingy? Wasn't that a thing nope. at the beginning of AOS? No. Nope. No. Nope. Okay. Um, Maybe not then. So that could well be the case. So yeah, I mean, they're they're, they're good. I mean, from my perspective, um, I think it's I, I it's really it's really interesting now um, to see people kind of put out these Nurgle armies and I think there's going to be you know there's initial distractions of um because we've got formation in there for the great and clean ones which is brilliant um it's very easy to kind of get get caught up on the the units of 30 plate bearers and put those in and flight kings are fantastic models so I think it's going to be a little while till we start seeing you know the armies of um the Puskal blight blight lords which is which, which is fine which is I think is it takes time to paint these up. Nurgle, luckily, it's not like Zinch, where we've basically it's been about a year or so um, till we've really seen these Zinch armies become prevalent on the tournament yeah. scene. And I really do think, kind of, it is a case that um, you know the, the painting um, is definitely an aspect of that. Um, so I'm quite excited to see what people do churn out from the basic things. And there are, I mean, my Twitter, if I'm honest, my Twitter feed has never been so full of painted models within a release ever. And no. even Stormcast, even when they re-released Stormcast and all these other things were coming out, it never been like this. And it has been fantastic. Um, an awful lot of great and clean ones, an awful lot of plague bearers, um, people working on Blight Kings and everything. So it, it's really got people's juices going. And I think there's a lot more to kind of delve into with the Nurgle side of things as well, because you've got access to all the mortals, all the Nurgle mortal models. Obviously, Festus being a Rotbringer model, but you've got mortal as well. You've got your Chaos Knights, which I know a couple of our guys are specifically looking at. Um, the Maggot Lords themselves, I, I think they've kind of maybe been overlooked initially. Um, as we know, people tend to kind of focus a lot of the time on the things they consider to be very good. And I think uh, they we were going to see them a bit more because they're a bit more streamlined um uh, most certainly from my perspective my 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 goal with the army is i'm going to be going for um i'm going to be basing my army around uh, they're in the book i don't know if these existed before um but they're called the drowned men um and the drowned men are um it says here they're in the, the verdigrized copper which is cool so it's quite, quite yeah. literally like a green copper um and it says they're bloated flesh seeping brine the drowned men are well named 
Um, and this is the, I think they call it a contagium. I think it's quite cool. I've not heard that word before. Yeah. Contagium uh, that follows Guthrot's spume to war. Their cysts broken up into war bands who sail over water, land and air alike in rotting and sorcerously uh, infested hulks. The drow mount specialises in raiding tactics, striking from unexpected quarters and sowing as much disease and destruction as possible before making their escape. So that's what I'm actually going to be theming my army around. So my knights have already been full of hook hands and nurglings holding up peg legs and gut rot spume and bases. So I actually want to go with my basing idea um, of my clear bases, but put sand on there. Um, and something great, again, which just fits into the fluff, gut rot spume can now basically move on from a board edge with a unit of lichens. So that kind of yeah. goes in with the fluff. So I want to build like almost like a yawning moor of his ship turning up and stuff. So... There's all these fantastic ideas in the book. Straight off the fluff, they've just created something um, that really works as kind of an overall overall army concept. And I, I, as I said, I, it's always the case people get distracted by the, the cool, new, shiny models. But I'm really excited to these mortal armies. Uh, the Rockbringer armies will be kind of initially quite prevalent because Light Kings are very cool. Um, but also Pestilence. So, you know, you can fit in the Skaven Pestilence side of things. So... I think it's going to be, we're going to see some very cool armies with, you know, a grey and clean one and loads of, you know, plague sensor bearers and a couple of catapults and some plague monks running around. And, you know, they all kind of fit this, this similar aesthetic. And I think it's Nurgle as an army. It's also one of those that allows you to be so crazy with your, your conversion ideas. So, um, one of the things we've mentioned before, you know, I, I don't have a positive impression of them as a company, which is Green Stuff World. Um, but mm-hmm. their, their Green Stuff rollers are brilliant. Really, really good products. They're literally rollers with bits of, you know, almost like a corrugated iron effect on them. See, so you roll them together and make tentacles. And, you know, you see them used a lot. And for Nurgle, it's just brilliant. If you want to practice your green stuff skills a bit, again, Nurgle, brilliant. You can buy, you know, some Chaos Warriors and just spend the time sculpting boils and tears and, and tentacles and all sorts on the models using green stuff. So, again, it's one of those armies that people can kind of really get into. Um, and I think it's going to be great kind of seeing all these different um, kind of beasts of Nurgle. Um, Nurglings um, in the fluff, they can now appear. They like infest bits of terrain. So you can do Nurglings kind of coming out of bits of terrain rather than just being a big, you know, a bit shoulder pylon, which is cool. But you could do something a little bit different with them. Again, all kind of fitting w- within, the, within the rules of the game. Um, and, I, and I think the actual Heralds that you've mentioned, the new Nurgle Heralds, I don't think you're probably going to see them that much. Um, right. But when they are i think they're such individual characterful models um and they all paint up so well um you know and you can really approach them you can you can paint them you know line highlight or you can do blending or you can do dry, dry brushing or you can do air brushing with, with dry brush you can paint by washers they're one of those armies that's really interesting where actually all, all the different ways of painting work on them so if you get Stormcast, for example, and you just go, well, I'm going to do a dry brush army, doesn't really work. It doesn't kind of, it, it can work if you put the effort into it, but it kind of, it doesn't always necessarily gel together very well. Whereas I think with the Nurgle, whatever technique it works, pretty much going to work. So, and it's good because it kind of breaks away from uh, the Stormcast armies, which are very prevalent at the moment, Zinch becoming a lot more prevalent. So it'd be nice to kind of see how this, I can imagine there being a balance of three armies out there, all very different um looking aesthetically um so yeah it's uh, for me nurgle i think it's a very very exciting time for the hobby if i'm entirely honest um, yeah i think 
I think one of the key things with the like the less less so the the demon side of it, but with stuff like the Blight Kings, um, and like the characters they got rot and the the heroes, the mortal heroes, as it were. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. There's a lot of um, got quite contrasting textures. So you got the sort of the pallid flesh, and I know that the the armor's rotten and sort of verdigris and and chipped and weathered and all the rest of it. But you know you've got sort of like you know bulging cysts and you know distended stomachs and all the rest of it. But then you've got the sharp lines of the the, the sort of metal right next to it as well, yes. which I, I think is quite a interesting sort of juxtaposition. Look at me, word of the day. Um, <laughs> whereas you perhaps haven't got that. You know, I, th- I think the only other real sort of thing at the moment <clears throat> that has that kind of thing is um, potentially blood reavers with the mm-hmm. you know, sort of bit of yeah, flesh and armor and blood warriors and potentially fire slayers with their sort of weapons and stuff. But they don't really have any armor. Um, but yeah, having that sort of the contrasting of the, the you know the skin and the and the and the armor and the armor tends to be quite dark and and dull and and the you know sort of the lighter pale tones of the skin works really well together. I think. Yeah, and it makes it vis- visually interesting to look at and a lot of fun mm. to paint. Which is, as I say, it's been shown already by the amount of people that are churning out lovely models on it. And, you know, you, you add in things like, um, you know, the, the, the plague drone models, you know, and you've got these these fly membrane wings and you can really go crazy with them. You can really, you know, you can make them almost transparent looking or a crazy color or a lot of people are using these chameleon paints at the moment, which um, it's almost like something uh, chameleon paints is a concept I, for me has kind of come from uh, remote control cars. You imagine it, you might have seen them on the street sometimes. Um, you get these custom paint jobs on, oh, on sports paint, cars. Yeah. yeah. So as you yeah. walk around, it starts purple and then it shade changes around to green and become very popular with RC cars. Um, and now there's paints, acrylic, close to acrylic based paints you can use on models that you, it's an interesting concept because you can't paint with them. If that makes sense, you kind of, it's almost like a technical paint that you just put onto the model and then that's it. That's the effect done. Um, you know, something like that would be fantastic for the wings on, on, on plague drones, uh, you know, being an example where you can go further. Maybe you can do it on the armor of Blight Kings. Mm. And, and basing again is another one you can really go to town with, with Nurgle because it's a, it's a, it's an, it's a army that carries diseases and virus and it's decay. So you can carry that across the basing you're doing. You can have rotting bases and, you know, maggots. And I know back in the day, there was a few Nurgle armies that uh, created maggots from painting grains of rice, which uh, I think is a, a weird way of doing it, but I think used in a, in limited fashion, I think it's quite interesting and kind of gives you some ideas and some different approaches to basing. Um, I think sometimes it was overused and people literally just pure poured rice. Actually, I do know somebody who used uh, dried mealworms. Uh, Yeah, they actually used um, dried mealworms on their bases. That wasn't very pleasant. Uh, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't suggest that. I'd avoid that, like the plague. Uh, But yeah, I think Nurgle's a very exciting time for armies and it it really is great seeing everything everyone's coming up with. Uh, and I'm quite excited about the idea of having my drowned men. Drowned men actually makes me think of Game of Thrones. Don't know about you. Um, but um, kind of having a nautical theme, you know, a couple of jaunty sailor hats, striped trousers. So I've got this character on. 
casual overlord scheme all over again, isn't it? I know, you're just into your sailors, mate. That's probably what it is. <laughs> I, like, I like a nice peg leg and a sailor. What, what, what can I say? <laughs> so I don't know if you've got anything else kind to add on, on, on the Nurgle front. I mean, it, it, it would be, you know, we could talk about the formations and everything, but, you know, uh, if, if you're interested in the, the rules perspective for the armies, I'd most certainly go and suggest you listen to Facehammer. Um, Chris Tomlin on the TGA forum has done a fantastic review um, of the Magikin book as well. Really, that that's particularly good, particularly good. Um, Mangle Miniatures has done kind of a, a blog post which kind of gives a bit more of a general overview, kind of like we have um, with the army. But uh, one, one, yeah, I mean, one one thing I, I will add uh, slightly is um, it's just come to mind now. And, don't discount the um, sort of if you're going to look at conversions or doing bits and bobs. I know the, um, the bits uh, for them are probably a little bit cheaper to get hold of than the, the newer Mag releases, but perhaps look to perhaps the Death Guard stuff as well. Um, you know, especially with the stuff that's in the starter box set, with it being that much cheaper. You know, people splitting the box sets and the, the value that you get as um, you know maybe not just at models outright, but there's certainly loads of bits like the the, the main character models in um, the Dark Imperium box set uh, are really good and would only take a little bit of work here and there to make them more AOS y. And I was looking at um, Marauders and the Pops Walker models. Mm-hmm. There's a few on there that, you know, they've got, you know, sort of lumps of iron, you know, sort of iron pipes or whatever, um, as weapons and, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of, they don't really have a discernible 40k features as such, there's a, there's a couple in there that do, but um, you know, the, nothing that a, a weapon swap or an arm swap wouldn't wouldn't solve and you know. Well, it seems if you mentioned it, I suppose I may as well mention what I've been doing then um, so, I've done exactly <laughs> that, I've got 10 points no my, my Nurgle list, uh, 60 points left so that's 10, 10 marauders. Um, yeah. So I've got pox. I've got you know ten oh, really? walkers, uh, which I which I used at club um, uh, last Thursday, as as it would happen. Um, so yeah, I, exactly that. Um, to be honest, and for people who want to do it, it's not actually that hard to d forty k them. Um, mm. I, I was actually surprised because there are some quite mechanical bits on there, but swapping out the tentacles and things is, is is surprisingly straightforward. So totally agree. I mean, I picked them up for eight quid. So 10 pox walkers, but it's nothing. Um, I've also got from Gary Hennessy um, from over at Age of Sigbra, I've got one of the malignant plague casters, which is the sorcerer that's kind of billowing out the bile. The baby face. Yeah, the baby face. So he's going to be my rock bringer sorcerer, or or sorcerer as they're called, because the current model is a fine cast one, which I had uh, ages ago. It's a very old model that I'm not a fan of. So... um, he's being replaced so i'll be d40king him not started yet but yeah you're definitely right the death guard are a great resource for this in addition you've mentioned about play um not play bearers um about nurglings you've got all the 40k nurglings as well yeah true yeah so i know already there's been a few people who are quite keen on this idea of having a uh basically collect them all nurglings which i think is quite cool that is quite cool um, so yeah, no, that's that's very much a valid point. Don't forget that you can. Oh God, you'll probably see someone doing a Mortarian. Is that a bit? If it's yeah, yeah. Um, great and clean one. And one of the things that's, I that's crossed my mind. Yeah, uh, <laughs> one thing I would like to say is one of the one of the ideas I had was I quite like the idea of kind of having Roticus and his army. 
to his army of demons. So I thought it'd be quite cool to do the whole army with like the rotten shawls. So they're kind of yeah. in scraps of little bits of clothing, almost yeah, leprous yeah. in a way, maybe kind of like leaving like limbs behind and like arms dropping off and hanging on by bits of goo and stuff. So, you know, well, I was, when, when you mentioned about the pests and stuff actually came to me that um, the plague monks with sort of a plague bearer head swap probably wouldn't be too uh, hard to achieve. Potentially, yeah. potentially. Yeah, sometimes a bit, sometimes a bit awkward when you get the older kits and mix them together like that. It not always quite works, but I know, I get what you mean. Um, yeah. But it's the same with, um, you know, the, 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 is it Stoppity Bar Piper? Mm. He's, he's dancing, dancing along. So, you know, those, those plague bearers, they're all plastic. All you need is a lighter. Stop bending yeah. those legs and you can have a whole, <laughs> whole army of, uh, you know, dancing plague bearers. Um, you know, you, you've got the same. You could do a, a um, Epidemus-themed army, so you could have him and a couple of the new heralds. And there's a lot of different scrolls out there now. So obviously, the acolytes have a scroll, plague monk scrolls, and you could just have them all just recording. You know, you know, all be scribes, yeah. big big pens, feathers. Yeah, like backpacks full of books and stuff. You know, there's if if you kind of look at the new kind of individual aspects that they've added to the army, um, you know, you can run with that across a whole army and it will just look awesome. And you, you, sure, you, there's only so many options in the book, so it, it may not, the army choice that you're putting down on the board might not be different to everybody else's, but you at least have a unique looking army. Um, and yeah, this, this, is a good, this is, I feel like this is a good segue onto the proxies on the proxy subject. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. The, 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 the one thing I was going to mention, and one idea I did have for a, a um, you're saying about the sorcerer model um, being sort of outdated, was um, I thought about it a little while ago because uh, I've got one, a spare one, knocking about. Was the um, necromant, necromancer model um, from the vampire old vampire? Yeah, no, from the um, vampire character, the, the, the sort of the newer. Single figure miniature, ah, the guy sort of yes. hunched over with the holding the skull in his hand. Of course, um, that was a sort of raggedy kind of cloak and everything. That would that's a that's a head swap away from being a Nurgle sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Yep, totally yeah. agree. I think it's, that's that's a very good chap. And um, quite a simple one to do. Yeah, so that again, you know, talking about you know um, proxies and using alternate models. Don't forget that the with a cheeky head swap or little bit of green stuff work or a couple of tentacles you know you you, you can you know modify other models to suit the nurgle aesthetic especially because it's it's all about rot and decay and nurgle's almost in a way kind of more about converting people to his cause um by infecting them i suppose and some some of the other factions i mean you could have some infected play um blood warriors if you wanted to to do nurgle warriors um, we'll take a quick break there because I want to quickly cover Heat 1 um, and then we'll go on to uh, Proxies, um, which is a good kind of little segue from what we are just talking about there. So we'll take a little break. Back in a minute. Oh, we're back for that break. So for the final bit, we're just going to... Um, I'm going to talk about Heat 1, basically, so you get to hear me talk a, a fair bit. Um, so... For those who don't know, uh, when we talk about the heats, we're talking about Games Workshop putting on um, matched play events at Warhammer World. Um, so there are three heats throughout the year, and then a final at the end of the year. Um, and you have to qualify 
um, each heat. So whichever one you go to, you qualify. You can get an invitation to go to the final. Um, so I, memory serves to qualify to go to the final. You have to be in the top 40, which roughly works out as three wins. Uh, I think two wins and a minor should be enough to kind of get you get through the pack. Um, so I would I've only started going to Warhammer World events. I went last year and went again this year. Last year, it's been well documented on uh, the Black Sun that I wasn't a fan of the event uh, for a few different reasons, um, both from the gaming and the army standard perspective and the way some of the things were organised. And I can honestly say my experience was like two very, very different events when I went went up to Heat 1 this year. So I went to Heat 2 last year. So it's actually less than a year since I last went up um, to Heat 2. Um, It was so much improved um simple things like just they're just being more terrain on the boards i i still think that age of sigmar is played at its best when there's at least 10 bits of terrain on the board almost to the point now we're actually thinking it's better with even more um so warhammer world's definitely getting to that point if there is less than 10 pieces of terrain on the board um they're most certainly large pieces of terrain to play around which is always good um, and very well organised. Um, I was I was thoroughly impressed with virtually everything this year, if if I'm honest. Um, Sixty five pound for a ticket uh, that gets you your food on both days, which is food served in their um, probably where their staff eat, I guess their cafeteria. Um, really, and to be honest, really nice. I mean, I had fish and chips the first day. Uh, there's juice out there for you both days. So sixty five pound might be a bit more than we're used to paying for a lot of the independent events but you, you do get um you know good good grub for it as well you get the chance to play at warhammer world um you also get if you find if you come through on the final we get a little certificate kind of framed um and you also get a finalist pin as well so it's kind of the little touches that i really like just having something to come away with it, it, it is brilliant um, and it's an interesting mix of the heats as well, because obviously we do independent UK events. So you, you kind of get used to a lot of the faces. But when you go to the heats, you end up meeting a lot of people that you never would have met before. And I met some fantastic guys. Um, and I, I don't want to go into the whole thing of re- reading off a, a spiel of names. We had some really good conversations that most certainly have kind of changed my perspective on how to, to cover certain things. So it's um, a match play event. 2,000 points. Uh, it's five games, and I believe the final is six. They start quite late, though, so the days go on a little bit longer than maybe we're used to. Um, so you're kind of looking at about six, seven o'clock finish um, on, on, on the Saturdays. Uh, but what's really good now is they keep the store. like The whole place is actually open until much later. I think it's about 10 o'clock on the Saturday and Friday, so you can hang around, you know, play some games. The Friday you can get there. And something else I've also done, which is really awesome, is that on the days of the event, you actually get free entry to the Warhammer World um exhibition which i didn't know this um we actually went on the friday weirdly because one of the guys just offered to pay for it which is fine um and that's much much different to when i went up initially um when i went up it was when school crushes were released so not school crushes yeah school crushes so it's a good few years ago and it was completely free just walked in you basically walked around just one room uh, and that was it you were done 
but now like all those armies that you see in all the white dwarfs and, and everything they're all there on display all the time they've got fantastic set pieces set up there's one particular one which is a, a nurgle army that's kind of moving out of a massive nurgle themed um fortification there's like a chasm in between and there's like there's walkways and detail on it i mean the models aren't painted to the highest like heavy metal standard but the overall presentation of these set pieces is fantastic and if you go into the white water events you may as well go in you know and it's i think it's four rooms just packed full of models and dioramas and everything so really really worth doing so i don't know if you've you've been around that recently rob but if you do go to one of the heats i definitely recommend it yeah i think the last time well I said the last time the okay, only yeah. time that i've been to warhammer world um i went up with ian um, could have been it was i think it was the heat two pardon it was heat two wasn't it i didn't go i didn't go up to with it with uh, heat two. Oh, you it did was, uh, okay no 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 um it was uh i think it was just after aos was released um it oh, was right, well. the it was the um sort of the this time of the year so beginning of the year mm-hmm after it, the, the first sort of January after it had been released, they'd just done the, um, the, started to do the big diorama with all the storm casts coming out of the castle surrounded by blood warriors or the other way around. Yeah. I can't remember which one it was. Um, so it's like a starter box sets thing, but it was the first time I'd ever been there and it was great to see all the dioramas of old and all the sort of stuff that used to, all the classics that you used to see in, in, um, in a white dwarf and stuff and could see all the sort of box art, you know, uh, models that they got there mm-hmm. and sort of see, I know Ian loved it. Um, but <laughs> the, yeah, good to see all that kind of stuff in the flesh as yeah. well, you know, and, um, mm. you know, so, and you know what, right? It's, it's, I don't want to sound facetious or sound big headed or anything like that. Right. But sometimes to see some of that stuff and realize that you're not a million miles away, Agreed. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you sort of see it on the box, you see it in White Dwarf, you see it on the, sh- the shelves in a in a shop when you think, and especially when you're younger, it's always seemed like an unattainable standard to get to, or however much you sort of tried. Um, but to actually see them and you know, look closely and, and see the brush strokes and see where they how they've been painted, as well as just seeing the pictures of them, I thought that was that used to. You know that was that was a quite a good experience as well. Kind of gets you very motivated, sort of think. Well, actually, you know, we you know we're not a million miles off as a as a as a collective, and and actually we can, we can do it as well. You know, and I to- I I actually completely and utterly agree with that. I I was like that looking at the new Nurgle releases because they were there in the cabinet. You you can look and they you know they are very well painted, but once you get a model in the flesh, you you can look at it and go, oh, that's how they've done that. Oh, that's interesting. And it's almost like the photos do, you know, they're better than <laughs> better than the models, if that makes sense. But it is really fascinating to do that. So as Rob said, if you even just want to kind of have a look and almost compare yourself in the flesh against something like that, it's, it's really worth doing. Um, so Heat 1 itself, um, I had five, um, five fantastic games of Age of Sigma. Um, I played five nicely painted, fully painted armies, no issue with what I played. Um, and 
it was I, I played some fan, particularly fantastic armies. I played a squig army, loads of squigs, squig handlers, a colossal squig, uh, two colossal squigs, I think it actually was, um, and uh, an idol, idol of Gork, uh, Gork or possibly Mork. Um, so it was really nicely painted. And but one that really stood out for me um, was a chap. I played a, uh, an Irish chap called David David McGowan, and he had this feck army, um, which I didn't really like. It was one of those where I kind of looked at it from a distance and it didn't kind of grab me, but it was only when I sat down against him at the table and started playing that I kind of like just started seeing things. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Oh, oh, I really like that. So he'd he'd done like sheet music. I thought it was like pamphlets or something initially, but he'd done like little tiny printouts of sheet music and put them on the bases of his models. And, <laughs> pamphlets. <laughs> sorry, I thought they were pamphlets, you know, like, like chaos literature kind of thing. But, um, oh, right. <laughs> but it turned out there was sheet music and some of the models were holding them up. And he, he showed me his army list, which was all nicely written out, printed out, and obviously uh, in, like, in like a scroll that had been rolled up with a bit of lace. And it was done like a... Um, like a ball so that was his idea it was like a masked ball army um and he'd use the um, sounds very cool it was very cool he'd use the the goblin town hobbit goblins as his ghouls um but i hadn't initially noticed because he chopped the faces off and he'd sculpted like domed helmets on them like completely covering them and he explained that one of the way one of the ways he uses the army is he has Neferata in there, and he, and she doesn't. All the, obviously all the ghouls think they're all like amazing, you know. So not amazing, but they think they're peasants and men at arms and all that. But obviously to her, they're just disgusting ghouls. So she gets them to yeah. cover up their faces by putting these blank, featureless helmets on. Um, and he'd done like on so these courtiers, which is actually a really good way of making them stand out as well. Is he'd done like half and half, almost Harlequin esque masks on them, and it was just really cool. The theme, once you saw it and you kind of you visually took it all in, it worked really well. Um, and it had like this the red kind of Martian Einders kind of basing. So David, it was a fantastic guy to play, um, and it was a really nice army to play against as well. He had a couple of nice big set pieces in there, um, but I wanted to give him a particular shout out because I did really enjoy particularly playing against his army. Um, and um, across across the board, the, everything, every army that was there all seemed to be painted to a good standard. I had a good look around as much as I could. Um, nothing kind of jumped out at me. It was nice to see... Um, it was interesting because there was a lot of Stormcast there, um, but there was also a lot of Zinch. And I think, as we kind of hinted on earlier, that... Zinch are getting to that point now where they have quite a high shelf in regards to painting um, because simply because there's so much detail on them. So I think we're starting to see Zinch armies becoming more prevalent with the casual gamers because they've, they've had the time to paint up the army. So we're seeing them a lot more, um, So which is quite cool because Zinch models are awesome. I think even a badly painted Zinch model or a quickly painted Zinch model um, can look quite good. So it's quite good to see these kind of floating about in the, on, on the on 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 the board basically um and for the painting nominations i mean i didn't get a painting nomination myself which is com which is completely understandable uh, because my army wasn't fully painted by me um i'd gone up i was a bit gamey um so i had my scythes of sigma um stormcast um based on the les um les martin tm stormcast build which again if people don't know um les has been a very prevalent um stormcast player has a very specific list of kind of mixed arms there's no cheesy combinations in there it's all about everything plays with strength and gels together and plays in all the phases very well um so it's based on him and instead of a venator 
which is the Stormcast character with the, the, the hawk and the bow, and a unit of three prosecutors, which he runs. I'd instead borrowed a unit of six engine riggers of Paul Buckler, which were just amazing. Just for the... Uh, I need to get them painted at some point. They were just added a whole different dimension to the list than I think. Um, so actually what I wanted to do and what the idea I'm playing with is because of the Kajits and Overlords, um, I'm not using the bobbles uh, on the back of my uh, my engine riggers. Uh, well, I've not got engine riggers. I've got the other one, Sky Wardens. So I'm thinking of mounting those on prosecutors and then converting the prosecutors to have the same weapons and maybe using chainsaws and stuff for 40k. Something I'm going to play with, but that, that's something else for the future. That's an idea anyway. Um, so that was my list. So I was less there for kind of the hobby uh, myself. I was being a bit naughty and, well, not naughty, but I wanted to go and make sure I got to the final. Um, but the armies that are up for nomination, um, I couldn't do what I normally want to do uh, because of the way that they present these things. I can't walk around the tables, take the photos of the armies that have been put up for the nominations and kind of talk to the people because it's not done in that format. For those who haven't been, you basically get told that your army um, has been nominated for painting and they ask you to go up to a row of glass cabinets at the back and they ask you to put your armies in there. So and it's kind of, it, it's tough because it's very cool. It's very cool to have your army on display in Warhammer World. But from my perspective, like I don't know a lot of the names of these people whose armies are up there, and I couldn't talk to the person unless I specifically tried to find them between the rounds. So that that was that's purely from a selfish reasons from wanting to cover on the podcast. So a lot of these armies, I don't really know who they were uh, unless I previously knew them. It was also very difficult to take photos because they're on glass shelves, multiple layer glass shelves with uh, acrylic stands in there as well. And then you've got lighting above. I found it, inc well, it was virtually impossible to get good photos. I've taken some, but I don't think they're good enough to worth, kind of worth sharing. Um, but there was two Iron Jaw army in there, uh, Iron Jaw's armies in there, uh, the black and yellow um very nice uh one was a lot more battle damaged one was a, a lot cleaner but his gore grunts in particular were lovely and the the guy with the cleaner kind of iron jaws had a really nicely converted uh i think they're called gargants in there as well um yeah he sculpted the actual face didn't he to must have done because it was yeah. it was really well done and he 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 got my vote for when you put you, you also put individual you can choose to put some of your models in for the different categories basically like unit monster um and um like individual small characters and he got my vote for the uh the monster category because i just thought he was awesome and there was only one thing which i thought are the was... armies are the armies themselves player voted or are they judges vote? it's all player vote it's all player voted. So the judges decide who go up and the players vote. Right. Um, of the two Iron Jaws army, my preference was very much the kind of the cleaner Iron Jaws army. Um, it, it was just a lot, a lot more, a lot clearer in the paint scheme and some, you know, very good techniques used. The basing was really nice. The only one thing that I found with his army in particular is that his, um, uh, his Moor Crusher, the spikes, he painted them all purple, which... Right. For me, visually, it didn't quite work. It broke up the contrast of the yellow and the black too much. It kind right. of acted as a bridge because it was a very prevalent purple. Purple as a spot colour would have been fine, even if you used it as like um, like an underbelly or something like that. But it was kind of overused. Like, it still looked great. It was painted very well. But, you know, just kind of talking about armies, that was probably a choice I wouldn't have gone for myself. So there's, those, so there's two Iron Jaws armies in there. So it was not one, not two, but three 
different Celestial Vindicator armies in there, all three very different approaches as well. So you had Les Martins, um, which is still one of my favourite armies. It's, uh, the blending on it, it's so crisp. Um, he's added a few conversions in there now, a few head swaps and things. Really nice army. That is an army that's right up there with anything you see in, you know, in, in White Dwarf or presented by Games Workshop, and it's quite rightly won many a painting trophy. Um, he also got the, we're now handing out each event we go to, uh, whenever in attendance, each of us is going to have our own little pro-painted best army trophy, which we will give to the army that we think's best. Just kind of like an extra, it's always nice to get something, you know, an extra little bit of encouragement. doesn't have to be the best painted, it's what we consider to be the best army, whatever we want to focus on, whatever we want to reward. So it's a nice little thing for us to give out, and Les, Les won that one this time. Um, and there was another Celestial Vindicator army, which was very heavy, like hugely converted. I think almost every model was converted. They had Blood Angels iconography used. They had hammers, like dual hammers on their backpacks. They had hooded helmets. They had some of the, um, some of the prosecutors had bat wings. They had sprites from Sylvaneth on there. The basing was like rust and cogs and it used whole pillars from, um, from Realmgates as basing, it was f completely full on. Even converting some 40k Terminators into a, into um, into Retributors, and all the conversions didn't. They went 100. percent It weren't quite there on some of them. I think the paint scheme was actually very nice. It done a really nice job across the board. All the conversions weren't quite on point, but as an overall mass, I think they worked really well. Um, and it was a very in visually interesting army to look at. Um, and yeah, I think virtually every model in the army was converted. So, you know, fair play to that. And there was another guy who had done, and again, another Celestial Vindicator army, very, very cleanly painted. Um, one of the downsides I always find with some armies is that he, he'd used, um, I think they're resin bases, like pavement ones with a bit of static grass. I always find them quite jarring yeah. um, because I know they're resin bases, if that makes sense. Um I don't know, it's it, it's something in my head, but he had um, some very nice features in there, um, a lot of stock models, but some had been converted, again, use of, um, I think he'd used on, for example, his Liberators, he'd actually used some Vanguard Hunter heads, so they work quite well, uh, he had a Magma Droth, um, but it had a Light Mage on it, and I think the body was based on a Farseer, and I didn't quite, I looked at it, and it was nicely painted, but I didn't quite get it, I didn't get why it was a Magma Droth, and it's a seat, and it's got a wizard stood on it, and then, but it's clearly his chest is a Varsir. It, it, it didn't quite work for me personally, I think, which kind of brought the army down in my estimation. Um, then you also had, so there was three, three Celestial Vindicator armies. Um, Terry was up in there with his, with his mixed chaos list. Um, I don't know how he did this, but he had a fully painted, great and clean one in the cabinet. On Saturday, considering the fact it was released that morning, that is impressive. That's all. It's really nicely painted <laughs> as well, isn't it? It's he, awesome. He's done a really good job. And one thing that I spoke to him about as well, which I wanted to kind of pass on to people, is he. If you look on, if you do have a look on Twitter at the model that he's done, where you see the rust and the verdigris, what he actually does is he, he uses like baking soda and mixes that in with the paint and applies it like a texture. All right. And it works really well. Now I know this. I look at it. I can see the texture, but before I didn't. 
and I just assumed he was using the paints, but it, it actually creates a rust and a verdigris effect. I'm, I'm, mate, I'm stealing that. Like, <laughs> no, no two ways about it. Um, and awesome. also, and again, looking at the great and clean one, he's got a great idea of what Byron's mentioned before: is this idea of contrast. Um, so you've got a great and clean one, which is all the fatty folds and everything, which has been airbrushed. It's, it's obvious. Well, it's clear if you use an airbrush that it's been airbrushed, but he's done all everything. He, you need to do to make it look as painted as possible but what he's done very cleverly is where he's painted the tentacles he's fully painted all these little tiny tentacles all dark purple going up to light purple but he's glossed them and it adds a really good contrast between like this matte flabby skin and like these nice shiny writhy wet looking tentacles so it's a very good example of this idea of add where you can add contrast to your armies um, and for me, his army's brilliant. I mean, across the board, it's really, really nice. He's upscaled a lot of his older models, uh, which I think is things like the Plague Bearers. He's kind of done a little bit more work on them. His Skyfires are fantastic, really good colour choices. Um, but for me, where it wouldn't get my vote, for example, is because I nowadays, when I look at armies, I'm not looking for what I think's best. I'm looking to see if I, it's almost, they're all so good. It's so hard to choose that I just kind of find where the, the faults are with the theme and maybe the consistency and everything. And all that for me that Terry falls down on in that regard was that it was just a mixed chaos army. It had no kind of unifying theme. There was no kind of coolness behind the army. It was just stuff nicely painted in an army. So, you know, that, that for me kind of took it out of consideration um, for voting for best army, for example. Um, but individually you got two of my votes um, in the, in the categories. Um, that was for unit for his Skyfires and heroes for his Hangor Shaman. Um, and then we also had um, Steve Wren and his Four Lords of Change. If um, <laughs> people had been following these before, he he painted the Lords of Change basically by using this zenithal spraying idea. So spraying from the top with a light colour, you can go dark underneath um, with spray cans. And he literally used spray cans. He didn't airbrush them. He used spray cans, dry brushing and washers. And he's churned out four really nice looking Lords of Change and then painted the rest of the army. And these models are really striking. He's got lights in that he's used, like, um, you know, you can get, like, rock formations that are cut open. Yeah. Um, so, like, oh, I don't know, I was going to say Feldspar, but it's not Feldspar. But, you know what I mean? You kind of get that, like, almost like a jemmy portal look. He's put those in the base, put lights underneath. So they look fantastic, look really, really good. Um, you also had Byron up as well. I mean, Byron's army is, if you want a masterclass in blending, you just have to look at Byron's army. It's a good mix of units in there as well. Um, it's a nice free hand where you've got the leopard on the back of the griffin. It's a mixed order army. You've got skinks in there. Um, the only thing I'm not 100% keen on is he's got a unit of um, Stormcast um, in there. And they're just they're just kind of grey. Um, I feel like they haven't got enough blue on them. But I can understand the idea behind why they're painted the way they are. But they're all grayscale. Really nicely done. Just in comparison to the rest of the army, they don't quite don't quite pop for me so that's kind of where i took a step back from maybe kind of voting and i think he rushed a bit to put his army in the cabinet it was clearly hadn't i don't i'm not quite sure um i think some of the skinks are painting facing backwards moving towards the back of the cabinet um so i think he maybe have kind of done himself a bit short there to be honest on the whole nomination front um but again it's a fantastic army and phew, you can't look past that wet blending um 
so the 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 winners of the event uh, sorry the winners of the event as far as we're concerned from the painting side is steve wren took um best army which i think with four lords of change um it's really hard to <laughs> those just sat right in the front of the cabinet and the rest of his army behind it which is all nicely painted as well i you can totally see why um that got so many votes um actually oh, one i forgot to mention um which was the bretonian army um which yeah i really like this it was very nice. I really liked the basing because what they've done, for those who haven't seen it, is that it's got um, really tall grass basing. Very simply done, but it's not something I've really seen before. And all the barding had little bits of freehand on everything. It's like a little tree and it just looked really nice um, and actually came second in the votes. So it goes to show a little bit of an old school army. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to do well on the painting. And actually, of course, I've also forgotten is um, Russ. Russ and his fleshy at court army was up. I know he's done a lot of work upscaling these now, and I really like them. They've got a really nice kind of like steel, steely kind of cold blue kind of purple palette to them. Um, and really can't find much fault with them. But I was looking at them, and I know that some of the stuff in the passage has been dipped, but it's such a nice army. I just I can't quite put my finger on what it missed. I think it needs, in my mind, it needs kind of like a a nice strong spot colour. I think that kind of ruins the idea behind the army, because it's kind of a, almost an army of complementary colours, not not necessarily contrast. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe it's just you know it, it could just simply be the case that it's a lot of stock models, which inherently there's nothing wrong with that, but it didn't quite jump out for me. So my vote went for Les, um, but as, as best army, just because I think it was the best army there. Um, Steve won, um, and then units-wise, it came down to um, Terry won best character, uh, which I think they call them icons. I can't remember. I think it's heroes. Um, was that his great and clean one? No, uh, Zangor Shaman. All oh, right, okay. Um, and he won. Um, oh, actually, no, sorry, yes, uh, he did, and he did win the. I think it was icons is the monster, which he won with the great and clean one. Um, so he came away with two of the three. Um, legends painting trophies nice. to him. brilliant um, and um, one of the stormcasters celestial vindicators uh, I only know the guy from Twitter I think it's Martin Martin Orlando um, he he came away with best unit I think that was a unit of his retributors he's put in so well done to all those guys um, really solid showing from the painting perspective which we always like to see um, yeah. and you know it's, it's, a very, it's a hell of a pedigree to win a painting trophy at that at a GW event it's always something people fight for so hopefully you never know one day I might actually get a nomination if I take up a valid army who knows <laughs> who knows who knows um, so that was a heat one coverage so fantastic event I, had, I genu genuinely had a great time uh, it was great catching up with a couple of the, the guys that I know work for GW there um, you know Martin Morin and uh, another friend of ours very briefly Ed Morris so shout out to those guys if they're listening and it's always good to be up back in my, my neck of the woods and kind of part of me is a bit disappointed I'm not doing Heat 2 and 3 but no. maybe maybe in the future no, no probably not probably not pennies money 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 um, so we'll move on to our final topic which I'm going to ask you to lead Rob because you were you wanted to rant and rave about this which was proxies so what have you got for us Rod about proxies um I guess should be banned. Um, I mean, shouldn't should be a thing. People shouldn't use them. No, God, no. I'd have to. Uh, I'd like turn up with events with just my dryads. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I think uh, 
Uh, well, just just the whole thing, really. I mean, I think um, for me, proxies like uh, just a, and, and my mixed order armies, a good example of it is, you know, obviously if uh, a new unit comes out, um, sort of the, the the positive way of looking at it is, you sort of you look at a new unit and you think, oh, you know, I've got X, uh, you know, especially if it's in in the allegiance that you that you've got your arm, you know, you've got an army that fits that allegiance. Say with my order one, I'll give you an example because it's probably the best way to explain it. Is I was looking at sort of perhaps doing just one or two models between now um, and perhaps one of the more sort of up and coming events, just sort of uh, ref- just to freshen up my my mixed order army. Um, and you know we've spoken about the the, the phoenix, um, which uh, you know I'm sort of kind of thinking on because that would take. I, I just want to do something that's you know not a massively long term project conversion that you know similar to what I've been doing sort of since well, pretty much South Coast last year um, with the two things that I've been doing at the moment. Does it um, sound like you, Rob? No, um, but um, like a uh, night venator, so. Uh, like a night venator for my order army, yeah. but with perhaps just using like a winged Kernoth hunter, right. you know, get a set of Alarial wings off of off of eBay or whatever. Yeah, Alarial wings. Yeah, right. so because the, they're quite small, yeah. um, the, the, Alarial herself is just a bit taller than a Kernoth hunter, um, and you know you perhaps. Obviously, did done well just with a, obviously you've got a quite a good place to start because they've got bows already. Mm-hmm. But do you know sort of spice it up a little bit to make it look more individual? And obviously, if it's, if it's a, a bowed Karnath hunter with with wings as a single figure, yeah, and it's it's at the right height and all the rest of it, then you know there's only really one thing that it could be. Do you know what I mean? And you know sort of keeping a similar sort of theme uh, as uh, as. Orion, you know, sort of that kind of, you know, the, 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 that I've used as a Celestine Prime, so it would, it would tie into that model, and it's just, you know, it's just an opportunity to explore conversions and ideas that you've got for different things, and and you know that that's perhaps the good side of of proxying, um, and you know, I just when people are perhaps doing it just to be not to be cheap because you know every, everyone you know i'm not saying that people should spend you know everyone can afford what they can afford but when it's it's like the haristo bug army isn't it do you know what i mean mm. when you're deliberately trolling other people it just gives the people that want to do it for the right reasons a bit of a bad name overall yeah. it's, it's a bit becomes a bit, bit of a sweeping statement and when you know, you've got on one hand you've got you know people that are you know, perhaps not allowed to go to events when they, they've genuinely done, well, they're not allowed to go to events, but, you know, certain units aren't allowed to be taken to events because, you know, they don't fit certain criteria when it's a genuine sort of hobby decision that they've made compared to people basically taking a piss. You know, I'm not a very negative person, but, you know, and everyone's in it for their own hobby, as it were, but there are certain times, you know, Tins of tuna at ETC <laughs> as, as sky cutters and you know buck, bucket of bugs for a demon army. You know it can it can take the Mickey a little bit sometimes. You know. Yeah, I mean, most certainly from my perspective, I think it is one of those things that isn't it is not black and white. I think proxy. The, I think the term proxy, even now, just saying it now, 
has it has kind of become quite a negative term. Yeah. Um, and there are plenty of events out there that say as part of their tournament pack that proxies are not allowed. Now, I think there's a few ways you can kind of different, you can look at this perspective, sorry, look at this from different perspectives. Um, and I think they're all valid. Um, as far as I'm concerned, as long as the model that we're talking about, and something you've hinted upon there, as long as the proxy that you're talking about in whatever way accurately represents the unit that it's supposed to be, I have no problem with the proxy. Unless um, it's done in a way whereby it could either cause confusion um, or it relies on a colour scheme, so actual paint to get across what it is as a proxy, um, or it's clearly done as purely a best on the, the tabletop and potentially with a money-saving concept. So the two extremes of that, I mean, I, you're talking to somebody who I use proxies, but I always try and make sure that they are very clear what they represent. Um, yeah. So my Cthulhu army is entirely proxies. Um, but you know, the Plague Bearers look like Plague Bearers, Blight Kings look like Plague uh, look like Blight Kings, my big monsters look like great and clean ones. Um, even when I've used my Cthulhu model as a as Glockin, uh, I've made sure that I've added two extra characters onto that model that represent the other two brothers. So one's yeah. a caster, so he's got a scroll casting a spell, and the other one's melee, so the other one's got a big sword. So I think as long as you get through the the identifying ideas of what it is you're trying to represent, that's fine. I think when you are going down the route of the bucket of bugs is probably the worst proxy army uh, example you can come up with where it's being used. So for those who don't know, um, somebody bought... Uh, basically from a pound shop uh, you probably find works if you're based in the UK yeah. um, kids toys, a bucket of bugs so just literally bugs put them on bases, painted them on colour um, um, didn't paint the bases, just sanded the base um, and used them as a Demons of Chaos Army in 8th edition Warhammer for a competitive tournament um, and this was done for a team event, it was done for a competitive reason it didn't look very good it actually just looked shit um, it wasn't using any models. It was proxying for the sake of proxying and getting what they thought was best on the table at the time. And it, that was the low point for me when you're talking about proxying. Nothing represented what it was supposed to be. The only way it represented what it was supposed to be is it was on the relevant uh, size base. That was it. It particularly couldn't. It couldn't overly be confused. It couldn't really be accused of being confusing um, because you know. If you said these were flesh hounds, they were flesh hounds because they were on that base and there was nothing else to confuse them within the army. But it's very easy sometimes when you're playing a game, you can make a decision thinking, you know, those bloodletters are actually plague bearers or vice versa. It does happen. And you need to be wary of that. Um, and then another example has been Alex Harrison, um, where he's he has had to come out and defend this from Sheffield Slaughter last year, whereby he was simply using Glade Guard painted in different colours as Way Watchers. Now, Way Watchers are heroes. They're elaborate models that you can buy from GW. They're in fine cast. To be entirely honest, they're not even particularly that expensive. You can even get the second-hand metal ones off eBay for not much either because they're not really commonly used. Um, but to add to that, he was also using Glade Guard in his army. So it's just confusing. Again, that's another... That's probably the worst example I can think of in AOS uh, in relation to proxying. So using just stock models of infantry who were also in your army as characters 
and differentiating them by painting them different colors nah sorry that that that's the worst example of proxying and unfortunately that's what people remember yeah you know, you, you talk about proxying something, that's what people remember. A lot of the time, people will say, oh, do you mind if I just I just need to proxy these? And, you know, they'll get some space marines of 40k out to use as Blight Kings or Terminators and things. That's the association people have with proxying. But really, a, a well-thought-out proxy, it's a, rep, it's a different, for me, it's a different representation of the model, the stock model, if you would. You know, it's not a conversion, because for me, a conversion is something based upon some kind of element or some kind of structure of the original model. A kit bash is simply combining different kits together, maybe the original kit with other kits to create something. A proxy is almost like a reimagining of that idea, which is very much what you do, Rob. Um, and I think as long as it's done in the right way, it's totally fine. But there's one different thing which I did a poll on, which I wanted to hit on, which was talking about the feculent Nullmores. Now, across the UK tournament scene, it has become accepted practice for Sylvaneth players to always use Sylvaneth Wildwoods, the official GW models. Um, that's just become accepted practice. It saves any confusion over somebody potentially causing issues with the size of their woods we know it's all the official size the placement for the trees is all the same because again placement with the trees if that's slightly ajar you know you could completely stop you know you could allow a star drake to move through the woods etc etc so everyone kind of agreed and it's accepted across the board on the tournament scene that if you're using sylvaneth and you use wildwoods you use the official gw model now of course we have a situation now where we've got nurgle which are also a terrain army and they have the feculent Nullmores. And I ran a poll, which is the, interest, the results were very interesting. It was pretty much a landslide. Um, you're looking at about 60-70% of people saying that uh, as long as they accurately represented what they were supposed to be, then totally fine for having conversions and everything. Um, my personal opinion is that I, part of me would love to do that. But again, I can't because it's such a specific model of a specific size used in a specific way that has to be placed on the board a specific way. So they have to be nine away from the enemy, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And they can interact with what's happening on the table. I think I would be I, I'd be worrying that I wasn't using the terrain or the rules properly if I didn't have the correct model on the board yeah because it's something that really interacts with your opponent's army i mean sure your models do no doubt about it but i would not be using the feculent normal model i would put that on the same way as just having the wrong size base on a model that potentially can affect the game negatively so say you've got a model with an aura having a larger base giving you more of an aura that's my personal opinion i'm not saying it's right most people seem to be accepting of and actually to be honest if i played a game and as i my number one thing would be that base size has to be exactly the same as a feculent Narmor. Yeah. Not too bothered overly about the volume. I think you can leave that a little bit here or there. I think it's fine because generally it'd be about the same. But already we've already seen scenarios where people are basing the feculent Narmors. Right. Which I don't think is a good idea. Um, just full stop. I think sure it look, looks a lot better. But in ma and again talking about match play we're talking about tournaments when doing match play that's what i feel narrative open play honestly do whatever you want because there's no rules governing that whatever you agree between your two opponents that's fine but i think there's definitely in my my mind there's a line between proxies from a hobby perspective 
to do something different, to do something fresh, to have a different take on something. And that that's done to garner an advantage, whether that is cost, effort, um, bonuses on the table from being able to fill a certain list that you think is very good, or it actually gives you a benefit on the table, such as potentially because effectively normals, if you wanted to, you could model what's stopping you doing with horseshoes so you can fit models in or making them exactly the same size as a great and clean one. So you can can't see your great and clean one. You know, it's it is unfortunately a bit of a sliding slope that people do start taking advantage of once they get once you give them an inch, that's it, they'll be off. Yeah, I think you know, and I don't want to you know sound like I'm you know it's everyone else's sort of hobby and um, you know you do what you want. Do you know what I mean? It's this this it's all good. You know, there's sort of conversions out there of different things, and they you know they you know they're they are what they are and then people want to make that model because they think it looks cool then happy days you know what I mean if someone wants to um, you know chop something up and make something different and you know that's that's what that's the part of the hobby that I love you know and, and you know my mixed order list apart from the dryads and some of the convert kernel hunters it's pretty much all the rest of it I say all the rest of it like four the four out of the seven units are all proxies you know, they're, they're different models that represent, you know, they're, they're, they're not the models mm. that represent the models that they're being used for the rules. So, you know, for me to say oh, I don't like proxy is not what I'm trying to say, but I just think it's, um, if anything, I'm, I'm sort of on the side of the people that use them. It's just, you know, there's uh, there's always, you know, there's always that danger. And I think it's not it's more of a, not, not necessarily a rant, but more of a, you know, something for people to take away is that, yeah, yeah, but <laughs> that, you know, sort of almost um, you know, do what you want to do, but don't almost don't shoot yourself in the foot by doing it. Do you know what I mean? It's sort yeah. of like you know, don't don't give someone a reason to to you know. I, I, I was thinking of you know, especially with mine, you know, if people are like my Bellacore conversion. He's he's on the same base size as Archeon. I've made sure that he's exactly to the millimeter, the same height. Mm. As, uh, as as Archeon, do you know what I mean? Um, hopefully, people don't have an issue with with playing it in the game. You know, it's it, it's always quite clear from what it is that it's not being done to you know game uh, an advantage or anything. And I just think you know if uh, if things are done in the spirit of the game, then that's all good. Um, yeah, and it's and it's a very difficult thing to judge though a lot of the time. It is, isn't it? I think you can also, you say that, but when you, it's almost like if you wrote it down, if you sat there and wrote down the rules for proxying, it's very tough to get that across. But I think you can always, no matter what, you sit at the table, you can always tell whether it's done for an advantage. And, and, and I'm going to use the word advantage because that's, you know, done wrong. That's what proxying is. It's done for an advantage. Like I say, whether that's financially getting the strongest list or actually having a negative or an additional effect on the board that's what it does but no i'm quite being two proxiers we definitely be accused of being proxiers um <laughs> we're both aware of the issues that you can have in this regard um and you know if you have any kind of questions on that or if you have a very different approach to it or you have actually managed to write down what you consider is acceptable or not with, with proxies do let us know because i think it's always one of those topics it's always worth kind of talking about um, and yeah, and there are events out there that say no, no proxies under any circumstances. So there you go. Well, I think that's episode five all wrapped up. Yes, it's been good, and uh, it'd be uh, it's good to hear that the, um, the there are so many sort of cool armies and 
things. It's a bit of a shame that obviously the the GW structure it in a way. I mean, I guess they have to with the way it's sort of all organised. That you know, it's not like a standard independent tape where you sort of have all the armies laid out on the table for mm. some people to go around. Because that's, to be fair, that's probably my the, my favourite part of a tournament is to go and see all the cool models and see what yeah. people have bought along and you know sort of see how. And, and you know, do you know what? Not just looking at them, but chatting to people and. And, you know, like the, you know, and, and 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 sort of getting getting their heads a little bit. You know, oh, you know, what what was their concept for this army, and you know, why they do this, or what, you know, what was their sort of thinking behind this model, and you know, hopefully being in a position where I can impart a little bit of help, or you know, perhaps a little bit of feedback, and you know, people take that away for what it's worth, and and you know, go on and make more cool models, man. That's what it's all about for me, mate. Yeah, no, 100%. Brilliant. Well, thanks again for coming on, Rob. Um, no worries. So, guys, listen out for episode six. They will always be in chronological order, um, despite whether we've got guests on or not. So episode six, hopefully, with the, the ever-so-lovely Brian, uh, Brian, <laughs> Byron, <laughs> Byron, Byron Ord. Um, if not, uh, I do have some other people lined up who will get on as well. And um, then we'll be joined by Ian for uh, episode seven. Um, keep an eye out for the blog posts follow us on Facebook get on the group um, get us on Instagram if that's your bag make sure you're following us on Twitter um, share us with your friends if there's anything you want to contact us about best thing to do hit me up on Twitter which is at ProPaintedPodcast um, but yeah that's it we don't want to give too many kind of uh, social media shout outs but always please do we're very conversational please do get in touch um, and also very very last minute shout out to the um, I think we've kind of started this little kind of bromance with the the two peas podcast guys um, <laughs> so i think at some point maybe we'll bump into each other at an event maybe we'll do some 40k maybe we'll do some ars or something so shout out to those guys again because i know they were they were talking about us on there at the last episode so i, I really really need to catch up because they've, they've put out quite a lot of episodes so I'm, I'm kind of catching up with them yeah new episode out today from i think from yeah, I saw, saw, so, like, yeah oh god there's another one i've got to catch up with so <laughs> play to those guys for getting the, getting those episodes out uh, you know cranking them out brilliant brilliant stuff right anyway so uh, i'm gonna let you go because it's getting late i don't want to go to bed me too all right dude nice thanks talking guys to you. all right thanks for listening catch you all later Cheers. Bye. bye
Can this be the right now? Can this be the unveiling of this new penis? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm drunk enough to get my cock. Get it out. Do it now. Come on. Come on. I'll get, get my life. Get out now. Right. I think I'm gonna rip your jeans off later. Oh, <laughs> oh, hey. Hey. Be prepared. These jeans right. off. 